Today is our follow-up Monopisode about coming forward. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Hi, this is Adam with Preach Impediments, and we are having our first ever Monopisode, the episode where I come to you and just speak with you without a guest. And I like to do this as a follow-up to the interviews that I do with different guests, different men and women, as we talk about different words that are used in the pulpit, big, fancy, spiritual, biblical, sometimes not biblical words that we use and try to boil them down to the meats and potatoes, the, the simple understanding that we can take with us and really use those words as a way of growing in our faith and growing in our relationship with God. I had a great conversation with BJ Site recently about the concept of coming forward, that idea of responding to the gospel call, the altar call or the invitation, depending on what your religious background is. And he made some good points. Uh, he talked about the idea of having a separated uh, understanding between the purpose of coming forward and the practice of coming forward, that we have to keep those two ideas separated because what really matters, the real goal is the response. That's the purpose of coming forward. And whatever the practice is that brings about that response can change as long as our goal remains the response. And so he talked about how we need to be very careful to create opportunities for a response. Well, I wanted to continue those ideas with a couple of extra scriptures that we didn't get into the other day as we talked about this topic. You know, first of all, we need to make sure that we understand coming forward is a great tradition with a good intention. The, the purpose behind it is to get those people to respond. It brings to my mind passages like Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 13. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here Paul is, is talking about something the Roman Christians would have been familiar with. They understood about belief and they understood about confession because that is something they would have already had participated in when they were becoming Christian. But this idea of creating an opportunity, creating a way in which people can believe and confess, believe with their heart and confess with their mouth, uh, and, and so doing, calling on the name of the Lord, that is important that we give that opportunity. Earlier in that same chapter, Paul says in verse 1 and 2 of Romans 10, 
Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God concerning them, talking about his Jewish brethren, is for their salvation. I can testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So there's a lot of people in our world that probably could be described that way. They love God. They want to follow God. They want to have a relationship with God, but they don't really know how to do it. And so one of the great things about the whole concept of coming forward is that it is the response to someone being told what to do. If somebody wants to act on that zeal that they have for God, they need the knowledge of what to do. And so that invitation or that altar call is a presentation to someone about what they should do about their love for God and wanting to serve him and obey him or even confess and repent to him. Now, that does not have to be done from a pew. And it does not have to be done in a church building. It can happen anywhere. And we all know that. We all know that, that the gospel does not wait on uh, a church building or a location. The gospel does not depend on us being in a pew. Uh, responses can happen anywhere. Many of us are in great conversations with many people in our lives about the Bible. And we're going to have responses when we have those conversations. Now, those responses can be extra special when they are in front of God's people because there's a sense in which when I make a commitment to God publicly and viewing uh, and by, witnessed by many different people, well, then those people can be witnesses of my commitment and they can hold me true to my commitment. And they, in a sense, become the audience that is now my caretakers. They are responsible for making sure that I stay faithful. It's that same idea we read in James chapter 5 and verse 19 and 20. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you strays from the truth and someone turns them back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. Now, again, the purpose is to create a response. The practice of coming forward is not necessary at all, as long as we continue to have the intention or the purpose of creating response. And that means the method really doesn't matter. Whether it be an a, a invitation at the end of a sermon where we, someone is asked to come forward, or uh, I've seen in some places where the elders go and stand in the back of the room, and there in the back of the room, people are invited to go privately and speak with the elders about their needs. Uh, I've seen other places where they have conference rooms that you can go to at the end of a service, uh, where you can go and learn your first steps. Uh, there's all sorts of ways in which this is done, and, and honestly, the opportunities, the, the options, they're limitless. We could create altar calls or these coming forward calls, these invitations, any way we want to. The goal, though, should be to create opportunities. And that's where I think really we need to do some hard thinking about what we do. 
are we creating opportunities for those who need maybe to confess their sins? Or maybe it is to, as we talked about in the episode the other day, celebrate a victory with their church family. Or maybe it's respond to the gospel and, and turn their lives over to Jesus. Are we creating opportunities for that? Are we essentially removing the barriers that stand between some lost person and them being redeemed? Because I think sometimes the practices that we put in place are not about creating opportunities, but they're about creating, honestly, for for lack of better terms, it's creating hurdles. We make it hard, we make it embarrassing, we make it uh, shameful for somebody. And yes, if somebody is struggling with sin, there's a sense in which they should be ashamed. But their shame should be between them and God, not between them and an audience full of people that they might know or might not know. And so we really need to think about, is our process creating opportunities instead of creating obstacles. There's also a sense in which we need to create a culture of response in our churches. Oftentimes that altar call is given and nobody responds. And then next week, nobody responds. And then the next week, nobody responds. Ultimately, what's learned from witnessing that is that you don't need to respond. And so we've not created a culture in which response is easy, and we've not created a culture in which response is expected. And so we shouldn't be shocked when the response doesn't happen. We need to really think about what it is we're doing and why we're doing it, and are we truly focusing on the purpose of the coming forward, or the purpose of the altar call, or are we focused on the practice? We need to do whatever is necessary. Um, Paul, again, over in Romans, this is the very beginning of Romans chapter 9, says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My My conscience testifies to me through the Holy Spirit that I have a great sorrow and increasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. Do you see that, that anguish, that hurt that Paul had for his unsaved brethren? He would do anything to give them the opportunity to be saved. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we practice certain uh, ways of doing things that remove all obstacles that would prevent somebody from responding to the gospel call of Jesus? So my final thoughts about coming forward, uh, they're basically very similar to what BJ talked about the other day. And it's this idea that we need to put truth before tradition and we need to put purpose before practice. If we can do that, if we can really focus in on creating opportunities for people to come to the gospel, come to Jesus, get their life right so that they might live in an unhindered relationship with their Savior, we will do well. 
We hope you learned something that brought you clarity and confidence in your ability to better understand God's Word and God's people. We hope you'll check out more at PreachImpediments.com. Subscribe to this podcast to receive all of the latest episodes. And if you will, share this podcast with your family and friends. We'd love to receive a review and hear what you thought about our effort to explain these preach impediments and make these pulpit words for the pew. Until next time.